Welcome to Midnight Book Club. I'm John Mark. And I'm Alexa. Pour yourself a stiff drink, pull up a chair, and get lost in the fantasy for a while. I saw a note where you said, first bath scene bathing simulator 2020. Yes. <laughs> That's something that... <laughs> These games have been heavily criticized <laughs> about it's just like referred to as Bathing Simulator 25 or something like that. I love the excessive bathing. Of course you do, because it's mostly Geralt. Well, I mean, that doesn't hurt. <laughs> Wait, have we seen Henry Cavill in, in the bath yet? Oh, yeah. We have? Yeah. Okay, I don't, I don't remember. It, but it's been a while since I've watched the show, and it was a little out of context, so. Yeah, I think he was um, trying to emulate the Witcher game as much as possible. Oh yeah, I do remember them saying that that they were kind of trying to bring that that ness into into the mo- into the show. The so. only I, I heard something, I'm not sure how accurate it is, was that like his only regret was it was not like long enough or gratuitous enough. <laughs> you know, honestly, like I could I could genuinely see that. Like it, it does like those those scenes in the game are are quite gratuitous. <laughs> So, obviously, welcome to the Midnight Book Club. It's 12 o'clock. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, no, Where it's, are it's... your children? <laughs> Back in the 90s when that, when that commercial was a thing. It was still a thing in, like, the 2000s in Florida. I mean, the 2000s were basically the 90s, just extended. That's a controversial statement. Well, we'll see. So, Alexa and I just started tonight watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which neither one of us has seen before. And I think that might be something we may end up doing, like, a side series about. Um, but if any, it, it definitely kind of brings home to the fact that the early 2000s were basically just, like, the DLC of the 90s. <laughs> Yeah, Buffy the Vampire Slayer was um, first on the air in 1997. 90. No, 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 92. No, I looked it up. You did look so it up? So the movie was 1992, and the series uh, was 97. Oh, okay. And okay. 1992, that movie had Luke Perry in it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Was he a vampire? No, he wasn't a vampire. He might just be a charisma vampire. You mean an energy vampire? No, no, no. He's a charisma vampire. I'm waiting for the Buffy the Vampire Slayer and What We Do in the Shadows crossover. Oh my sweet Jesus. You know, they could do that. I could genuinely... (laughs) They're the kind of people... And Takito Watiti, however you pronounce it... um, I think def- I think he has the clout that he could definitely put that together. I think he could do just Especially about it, with yeah. like a third Do you know if it got picked up for a third season? Yeah. It did? Already. Okay. Well, I'm I'm there. I'm absolutely there for it. So what are we discussing today? Uh, today we are discussing the fourth short story in the Witcher saga. Um, we are discussing as well as the fourth Voice of Reason uh, bridge chapter section. Um, What's the short story title? The short story is called A Question of Price. Um, And if you want to give us the short, short, long, and skinny. I think I'm mixing metaphors here. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to give us the long, long short, and skinny. Well, isn't it? The expression is the long and skinny, isn't it? Yeah. Give us the short synopsis. Give us the short details. I I don't know. Go ahead. I I defer to your expertise in this area. Okay. That threw me off. Sorry. <laughs> so the fourth Voice of Reason chapter is Geralt having a long monologue 
with Iola. Mm, yeah. And the reason I say monologue. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because. Is that he's talking at her because Iola has taken a vow of silence. Yes, yes. Iola, if you remember, is the woman that he hooked up with mm-hmm. um, in the beginning of the mm-hmm. book. And we do know that she's some. She's She either like masquerades at night as a water nymph or is a water nymph or like. She can do like priestess stuff. Okay. That that they are a little unclear as to what that is, aren't they? Yeah, we we really don't know. Just hashtag priestess stuff. Yes. So Geralt is talking at Iola, and this is one of the few examples of exposition we really see here. There's a reason for it, mm-hmm. but it's Geralt just explaining a little bit more about like Witcher stuff. Mm-hmm. So he, for instance. He explains the silver sword for monsters, steel for men myth. Yeah. yeah. Um, he says that um, the steel sword must come from a meteorite. Mm-hmm. He is talking a little bit about Kaer Morin. He mentions Vesemir. Mm-hmm. Shout out for our yep. first mention yep. of Vesemir. First me- mention of Vesemir. He talks about Trial of the Grasses for the first time. Yeah, and it's the first time that it's named. Uh, the, the, the process is named, isn't it? Yeah, earlier in the book, we learned that there were experiments done. There's a process mm-hmm. that forms witchers into mm-hmm. witchers. It's not that they're born that way. Um, Geralt apparently was chosen for a more complicated experiment. Yeah, they do. Uh, was it? It was here where they where they talk about that that he was he was chosen for the more complicated, higher risk experiments, which they don't really define, but it may explain a little bit more of like. Geralt maybe actually we were saying that like Geralt's not really special but we do kind of find out that he may have been a little bit special in his like cho- choosening 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 <laughs> that's like the happening yes the choosening it's choosening yeah Geralt is if nothing else very resilient very hardy he doesn't die easily yeah which is yeah. great it's a great quality yeah it really it's it and well one of the great things about it is that it's it's a way of giving your character plot armor without it feeling like plot armor mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um the experiments that he was chosen for the additional ones other than trial of the grasses are the reason that his hair is white mm-hmm. which explains a lot yep yep um he talks about his first monster that mm-hmm. he encounters as a witcher and how he rode in um optimistic kind of thinking of mm-hmm. himself as the hero he was rescuing a young girl from being raped yep and he you know slaughtered the guy that was about to rape her and Geralt expected to be exalted to yeah. be praised. <laughs> yep. And the girl threw up. Her father ran away in terror yep. along with the attackers and Geralt was like, well, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> no good deed goes unpunished. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he talks about the extensive list of monsters he's battled. Too long to mention here. Mm-hmm. A lot of the names we've heard before. Yeah, and he doesn't really describe any of them, so it, they don't really add any detail to our ongoing uh, cognitive bestiary. So we probably won't really go into detail as to what he was. He starts talking about here, but yeah. Anyway, he also um, explains that that first encounter that he had with trying to rescue the girl who was about to be raped formed his own code of ethics. Mm-hmm. He explains that there is no, like, central witcher code of ethics. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are things that witchers generally do. Like, Mm -hmm. they're neutral. Yep. And things of politics, which we've already heard extensively from Geralt. Mm -hmm. It's like, 
no one talks and Geralt's like, I'm neutral. I don't <laughs> take any sides. <laughs> Literally no one. Geralt, I'm neutral. <laughs> I don't get involved in politics. I don't get involved at all. Yeah. <laughs> Look, we just wanted to ask what you what you want for dinner. Like, can Yeah, you, can you chill? Can you, can you calm down over there? Uh, he also explains to Iola that um, we get like a little pro- postscript of the last mm-hmm. short story, The Butcher of Blaviken yes, episode, yep. uh, where he talks about choosing between the two evils. Um, he also um, gives us an intro. Mm-hmm. So along with the postscript, we get um, this intro into um, A Question of Price, mm-hmm. which is the yep. story about Siri and the child surprise. Yeah, he does kind of use it as like a segue into like, he's like almost like he's telling the story now to Iola. Yeah, and I think that's the setup for it. In this setup to um, the child surprise, he explains that he doesn't want to return to Sintra. Mm-hmm. Um, as a result of whatever happened there, he has avoided it. Like yeah. the plague. Yep. Uh, we don't know why. We we hear literally nothing about this before this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but it leads us into the short story, the mm-hmm. question of price. Yep. So we get our as we were laughing about earlier, our first bath scene. Yep. Yep. Bathing simulator. Twenty five. Getting ready. It's very similar to. Like the Witcher 3 intro, mm-hmm. yep. where he's getting ready for meeting Amir. And you see some some hot Geralt butt. <laughs> he has a very pale butt, but... <laughs> yeah, so he's getting ready. Uh, he's having a back and forth with uh, Castellan, who here is the like servant of the queen of Sintra. Yeah, he well, so like they, they, he, the book goes between describing him as Haxon and or the Castilian. Haxo. Haxo. It's Haxo and Castellan. Yeah. Uh, and it took me it took me a while to figure out that it wasn't two different people they were referring to. It took me an embarrassingly long amount. In my defense, uh, we were also reading this the first time uh, after I had a very long day and I fell asleep while we were <laughs> reading it. So yeah. <laughs> We had to go back and sort of Ask, like, do you remember? Do you remember this? What What were you conscious for? (laughs) Yeah, I really didn't know. I just had to, I kept looking over him at him that night and he was just like falling asleep constantly. Yeah, yeah, it was a long day. But we figured it out. So, uh, Geralt is asking Haxo, the Castellan, a Mm -hmm. lot of questions. Mm -hmm. He asks him why he's been summoned. Mm -hmm. And Haxo, you know, he doesn't give him a lot of information yet. Uh, he also talks about um, Queen Calante, mm-hmm. who is the major um, major figure in the story. Mm-hmm. Queen Calante is awesome. Yep, she is. She is a stone cold badass. Yeah, I love her. Um, it's funny. Just a quick aside. Um, when I first saw the episode of the TV series with Queen Calante, I was mm-hmm. like. They must have really made her um, character a lot more badass in this. Yeah, like, yep, yep. I was thinking, there's no way that she could have been this way in the book. Yeah. But I read it, and she's, like, even more... They, they actually, like, like, watered her down a little bit for the show. I think They, like, turned like, her down. I loved getting more insight into mm-hmm. her character and who she yeah. is as a person. I think they did a good job translating that to the TV she, series. She's a lot of fun, and... So the queen, we learned the queen has been widowed for almost a year. Mm-hmm. That's why um, yep. Sintra... It's still a system where only a king can really lead. Mm-hmm. The yep. only reason yep. Queen Calante is on the throne is because she's been widowed. Yeah, yep. 
Yeah. And the only reason that the like it it seems like it's very heavily implied, I should say that um, the only reason that like people are okay with it is just because she is just such a strong badass lady. Well, she's a warrior too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, she gets on her horse and she rides out to battle. It's not like she's sitting yeah, alone yeah, in some yeah. castle. But I think after like a year, people were probably finally like, okay, well, we need a man now. Right. (laughs) Because your tiny woman brain obviously can't handle leadership. Because all the blood is flowing to your baby. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously these statements are dripping with sarcasm and I hope people catch catch that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is a uh, strictly meninist podcast. Yes. Yes. Red pill only. (laughs) So in conversation with Haxo the Castellan, Geralt asks again, why do you think the queen has brought me here? Mm -hmm. And the castellan says, there's been some sort of monster hanging around here. We see it scurry around in the middle of the night. Yep. It growls at guests and things like that. Yeah. And uh, Geralt's like, well, why am I in disguise then? (laughs) Like, he's being dressed up as Ravix of Fourhorn. He has like Oh, yeah, I forgot they actually gave him, like, a fake name and, like, a cover and, like... And they told I him only... to wear his hair loose. So I can he... only picture Geralt in, like, a mustache and, like, a, gla- a set of glasses with a big fake nose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am Merald <laughs> of Brivia. <laughs> yeah, um, they gave him this, like, fake identity um, as Ravix of Fourhorn. Mm-hmm. And he has, like, his own, like, fake coat of arms. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's really confused why, if it's a monster, why did the queen summon me yeah. to this feast? Yes. And Haxo really doesn't have, like, any real answers for him. He picks things up and puts them down. Yeah. So Gerald's like, okay, I guess we'll see. Um, so he's seated at a prime position, really. He's mm-hmm. right next to the queen. Yeah. The yep. right hand of the yep. queen. Yeah. And he's still like, what's going on here? <laughs> Um, so then, um, we learn that Geralt is, um, at this feast, which is the, um, for lack of a better term, it's like a coming out of Pavetta. It's a debutante ball. It's, it's a little bit like it, that. Is that. Yeah, it's actually what it, I, I, yeah, it's basically what it is, isn't it? Queen Calanthe has a 15-year-old daughter mm-hmm. named Pavetta, and she is of marriageable age now. Mm-hmm. So now all the suitors are coming in and being yep. introduced. Because that's not creepy to marry off a 15-year-old, but yeah, whatever. It's fine. Yeah, it's, it was a different time. <laughs> in, in the 1300s. <laughs> in the Witcher, in the Witcher universe. universe. And uh, so we meet our array of suitors. Um, behind door number one is Kutkudak. Kutkudak. Who is, has a very um, difficult to say name, but also kind yeah, of fun. Yeah, kind of fun. It's a, a nickname. Lot of fun. Yeah. Um, Wait, it is? It's a nickname. I did not catch that it was a nickname. Yeah. So he comes up to the queen, and uh, this is before the queen and Geralt have exchanged words, by mm-hmm. the way. So Kudkadok comes up, and he asks to be considered for Pavetta's hand, mm-hmm. and Queen Kalanthe openly makes fun of him, and she says, your wife is still alive. <laughs> She's still alive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not dead yet. <laughs> and uh, Kudkadok is like, yeah, but she could die soon. <laughs> I got better. <laughs> I I, I bet in a year she'll be dead. And Kalante's like, you better be glad that someone would marry you. And he's like, okay, well, I guess I'll go sit down. Can Can I have some food? And she's like, sure. I I guess. (laughs) You guys got any pigs in a blanket? I like pigs in a blanket. Behind door number two is East Tweersearch, who is 
described as some sort of uh, sea like warrior mm-hmm. kind of guy. He sounds pretty. He sounds pretty awesome. Pretty dashing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Has an aquiline nose mm. and a wait, dark uh, face. Wait, what? You know, it's like the um, like the Roman nose, I think. Okay, so it has like a big like like looks like it's been broken, but it hasn't. Kind of. Yeah. Okay. It, it, he's described. I've never heard that I kind term of before. Picture him as like a Julius Caesar type or something like that. Because the whole time I was actually picturing, um, oh, what's his name, uh, Erebor, from uh, the 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 Iron Islands. Uh, yeah. Well, it's not it's not wrong because Skellica is. A series of islands. Yeah, yeah. Um, off the coast, off the eastern coast of the continent, which I don't know if it has a name. That's for another discussion. Oh, the whole name of the whole continent? Yeah. That's a good question, actually. Hmm. I feel like we should know that. Maybe. What is your What is your place called? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So east is uh, pretty ma- making some pretty uncomfortable comments to Queen Calanthe. Mm-hmm. He says he's, um, so Kalanthe greets him very formally and she asks, um, I hope you're interested in courting my daughter. And he says, I'm not interested in unopened buds. Mm, mm-hmm. And he proceeds to um, very obviously flirt with Kalanthe. Which, I mean, like, honestly, like, that's, that's cool. Like, yeah, way he, to be the one guy who's not, like, into, like, little girls, apparently. Yeah, there, which I, I, I understand, factor. like it's a societal thing, blah blah blah. A different time, fifteen was considered marriageable age, blah blah. blah. By our modern standards, it's weird, yeah. <laughs> and like it's not, it's not possible to read it without feeling a little bit weird. But it's definitely like good on him to be like, yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm here for like the lady. <laughs> yeah, he's like you know complimenting Pavetta, but only by complimenting. Yes, like, <laughs> yes, if, like if I can hope that like. Pavetta is as beautiful as you, Kalanthe. Yeah. Um, She's pretty because the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Exactly. Yeah. Um, East is also traveling with a bunch of other Skellige men, including Crake Uncrate. Crake Uncrate. Who is actually there to court Pavetta. Mm-hmm. Um, because this is something that Kalanthe will explain later, but she believes that Sintra needs a strategic alliance with Skellige. Mm-hmm. Based on based on the timeline, though, Crick on Crate would have been pretty appropriate in age, though, wouldn't he? Yeah, he probably would have been in his 20s. Yeah, yeah, like maybe like 18 or 19 or mm-hmm. so. Like where it's, yeah, yeah, they're both pretty young and, you know, yeah. Yeah, so. A little more okay. Crake and Crate is a, a definitely a warrior. He's stout and mm-hmm. red haired. Um, he he's described as pretty lively. Yeah, in this yeah. Chapter, he's he's a fun character, and I I was really happy to to learn about him a little bit because he's he's as I keep saying he's fun, but he is a lot of fun in the in the video game. So like probably one of my favorite characters. He is the nephew of King Bran, who mm-hmm. is the king that died at the um, beginning of the Skellige plot in mm-hmm. The Witcher 3. Yep. So that's just good to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, also traveling with them is Mausak, the druid. Mm-hmm. He is a good friend and advisor to King Bran. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We also know that Mausak later is a teacher for Ciri mm-hmm. yep. and teaches Pavetta, apparently. Yep. As the night is going on, the toasts are getting less and less coherent. Mm-hmm. Um, things are getting a little more lively. People are getting drunk. And Kalanthe turns to Geralt when she feels that the coast is clear. Mm-hmm. And she starts engaging him in conversation. Once everybody's drunk enough that, that no one notices that they're having a sidebar conversation. Right. Yep. And uh, they both 
are dancing around why Geralt is here. Geralt wants to know. Kalanthe doesn't want him to know. And I think this is kind of what I was getting at the other night when I when I was saying that the dialogue was a little hard to follow, but I think it was also because I was falling asleep at the time. <laughs> but yeah. they, they do very much dance around like what they're actually talking about and are kind of playing a little... They're speaking coyly, basically, mm-hmm. about whatever their, their individual motives are. Um, and it, it, it's a little hard to follow when you're not, you know, completely 100% coherent. <laughs> I think it's very witty and very fun mm-hmm. as someone who likes that Sorkin style yeah, uh, yes. yep. dialogue. Yep. I really enjoyed it. You know, Geralt first says, you know, I'm not usually invited to banquets um, mm-hmm. because of my company. And Claude yeah. quips, well, you must not be very good company then. <laughs> yes. So they have this very, <laughs> like, uh, bantery relationship. They, they also kind of have a flirtiness to them. But, like, I think it's a kind of a professional flirtiness, it's, if that makes sense. To me, it's like two um, intellectual equals mm-hmm. coming together yes. in conversation. And they're both a little sarcastic and they're yes. both a little flirty um, naturally. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's that they have any real interest in each other, but it's... She's they, heard a lot about him, yes, um, because he's Geralt of Rivia. He's the famous Witcher, so she's heard a lot about him, and so she is making it known that she knows a lot, and his reputation precedes him, and that's why he's invited here today. And she is a very strong, you know, uh, very strong, upstanding person, mm-hmm. person who you know kind of takes no crap from anybody and yeah. kind of tries to put them, kind of get that known out in the first place. So. I could see her basically just putting everyone on blast, you know, kind of as soon as she meets them to some extent. I love that about Kalanthe Mm -hmm. because I'm the same way. Um, You know, not when I first meet someone, but I'm always a little bit salty and I'm sarcastic. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely my sense of humor as well. (laughs) Yeah. So they get to um, this point where Geralt says, you've mistaken my profession. Mm -hmm. I'm not... A hired thug. I'm mm-hmm. not a hired killer. Mm-hmm. And Kalante says, "You know, I think that you'll do it for the right price." Mm-hmm. Once again, chapter title. Right. It's, a, <laughs> yeah, it's just we have a question title. of price. I know that eventually you'll do it. Mm-hmm. Everyone will will do what I ask. It's just a question of price. Mm-hmm. Um, because Geralt is explaining, look, kings ask me to do stuff like this all the mm-hmm. time. They're mm-hmm. always summoning me. Yep. There's actually a fun little reference in there where he says, just last year I was summoned to a court and mm-hmm. this creepy um, king asked me to find a woman who left a slipper. Um, and then he says, you mm-hmm. should have hired a, a hunter, not a witcher. A huntsman. Um, yeah, a huntsman, that was it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> bro, Our... Like, bro, she gave you a fake number for a reason. Yeah, like, <laughs> please, let it go. Just, just let it go. <laughs> just take the L and move on. <laughs> Geralt is going through all these examples of people who have mistaken him and mm-hmm. his profession. Um, because witchers have pride, and Geralt has pride. Mm-hmm, yep. Um, so Kalanthe is saying, oh, it's really different because, um, you know, most of those people gave you a price. Mm -hmm. I'll let you name your own price. Yeah. Yeah. And Geralt is like, I really don't see the difference on Mm -hmm. that. At a certain point, you know, they're getting to this detente and, uh, Kalanthe forces his hand and eventually he does say, yes, I'll do it. Yeah. As far as he knows, his objective is to just keep an eye on the banquet because mm-hmm. she says something is going to happen at this banquet. Yeah. Geralt is in the dark about exactly what. Mm-hmm. So at that point, Eos gets um, Kalanthe's attention. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
pulls her away. He's like, you've been talking to this other guy all night. Mm-hmm. Can mm-hmm. you give us attention mm-hmm. over here? Yeah. It's kind of like a jealous boyfriend, yeah. like yeah. a little bit. So she's like, go and eat something. Stay alert. Don't drink too much. Mm-hmm. I want you to keep your faculties about you. Yep. Yep. So Geralt actually also um, has this weird interaction with Mousesack, who's mm-hmm. just like staring at him from yeah. the <laughs> Just like intently looking Hear at Hear my him. thoughts. <laughs> He's like trying to like send his thoughts. If you think you're psychic, you probably are. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and it seems like this is more or less expected behavior from Druid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like a lot of people just kind of like assume that they're... I basically just, I, I know we have like an actual visual of Mausak from the TV show, but like in this, I kind of like, like to picture like the Radgast the Brown where he's like a little bit like disheveled and like kind of nutty looking, like <laughs> yeah, and the, coated in like weird bones. And <laughs> Geralt's um, like breadcrumbs are moving. Yeah, the they, keep, in front they of keep referencing that the breadcrumbs are moving in front and of him and making like he's words. He's trying to ask the question. <laughs> um, so Geralt's like, that's weird. And like his medallion keeps like. You know, bouncing up and mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. Now, it, now, if Mausek knew Morse code, he could make it vibrate in <laughs> a Morse pattern and then just, like, you know, m- transmit messages that way. But then that would also require Geralt to know Morse code. But anyways. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, in the background, sort of interspersed with what's happening, um, there, there's a bunch of lively action taking place. Kudkadok, who apparently got his nickname from making animal sounds, is just like yeah. throwing in yeah. the background. He's making like animal impressions. You yep. can tell that this is a guy who learned his party trick and stuck to yep. it. Yep. Hey, hey, man. Some of us, you know, feel a little attacked <laughs> by making weird, obscure jokes and strange noises. And uh, I love this about Craig. Um, he is just like sketching out a battle scene with mm-hmm. like ribs like yes <laughs> he's using like gravy to map like mountain ranges of like this battle that he fought in <laughs> it's pretty funny yes um so east when he you know has the sort of jealous boyfriend mm-hmm. aside with Calante is like come on everyone's getting really drunk we need to bring pavetta out mm-hmm. which i think i would be horrified if i saw all of yeah <laughs> These wild, drunk, like, raving, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, while Gerald's getting something to eat, um, Pavetta comes down. And mm-hmm. Pavetta is described as petite face, mm-hmm. silvery, blonde hair, mm-hmm. like her mom. It's only important because we know um, whose mom she is. Yeah, yeah, that, that's really yeah. the main thing. And she has emerald green eyes, which yeah, yep. just an important footnote. Mm-hmm. So Pavetta comes down and uh, a couple of uh, probably more hours go by. Mm-hmm. and uh, Everybody's very drunk and on the verge of fighting each other already. Yeah, everyone's getting like really ornery. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of uh, Calante's servants mm-hmm. comes up and whispers in her ear. Yeah. And she's having a reaction like, oh no, mm-hmm. it's happening. Yep. yep. And... Uh, like Mousesack is also still like trying to <laughs> fervently connect with Geralt and I think he spells in breadcrumbs in front of him careful yeah yep. I just love the the mental image I have of Mousesack like lowering his yeah. eyes <laughs> you see like the the veins bulging on his forehead and like just these little <laughs> tiny like words forming and like breadcrumbs like on the table all I can think of is that like uh, that 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 comic that was circulating around a few weeks ago or a few months ago about like um, why why are humans able to summon Cthulhu? 
and it was like, well, if you if you found a an ant hill that spelled out your name in 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 rocks, <laughs> and all were all chanting your name, wouldn't you want to see what they wanted to? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Good point. <laughs> yes. They hear footsteps emerging, mm-hmm. and it's just armor. Mm-hmm. It's like making the very yeah, the clunk, clunk, yeah, clunk, on the clunk. floor. And someone approaches, and he introduces himself mm-hmm. as Urchin of Erlenwald, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. So there's a little there's a little bit of detail in the in the armor that's kind of interesting yeah. because they describe it as like iron and leather, which would be a a cheap style of armor. Um, so it, it, it very lightly implies that he is not nobility. Right. He is just somebody who has a set of armor. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Um, he, it's, it's like a, I picture it as like a homemade set of armor. Yeah, no, and, that, and that's kind of what they get into. Like it's like, it's kind of or, ornate in a, to look like a, kind of like a dog face, mm-hmm. um, on the helmet and like, um, yeah, it just kind of looks basically from the, the imagery we're given, it kind of seems a little... Maybe maybe he just went to like the cheapest blacksmith he could find, kind of thing. Like, or he took it from someone he killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so he approaches, introduces himself, doesn't take his helmet off. Mm-hmm. So he has like his whole, you know, like doesn't even open the little flap. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Um, Kalante welcomes him and says, "In Sintra, we don't turn away any guests." Mm-hmm. And uh, he says, "Well, I'm actually not here to eat." Oh. Yeah, they're gasps. <gasps> um, I'm here because many years ago, 15 years mm-hmm. to be precise, your late husband, King Rogner, mm-hmm. I saved his life. Mm-hmm. I saved King Rogner's life. And as a result, mm-hmm. he promised me that which he had at home but did not know, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm here to claim my prize, which is your daughter, Pavetta. Mm-hmm. And Kalante is just, you can tell that this is something that she anticipated. This is the thing. This is the thing. <laughs> this is the thing. And, and yep. the tense atmosphere and mm-hmm. sort of the magic surroundings are picking up. Mm-hmm. Everyone is freaking out because mm-hmm. they all traveled here for a marriage proposition to Pavetta mm-hmm. um, and a strategic alliance while they're at it. Mm-hmm. So Kalante says, well, I'm so happy that you saved the king only in exchange for what you could get in yeah, return. Yeah, obviously, you know, you were only interested in what what was in it for you. And she's throwing some shade. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of shade, actually. A lot of shade. <laughs> and, you know, they're, they're reaching this detente basically mm-hmm. where Kalante does not want to allow this to proceed yeah and uh urchin is actually a little bold i think mm-hmm. um because he's just shading the queen left and right mm-hmm. Kalante is you know throwing out like i could have you killed right now yeah yeah but urchin doesn't seem at all uh threatened by her mm-hmm. he seems to know look i can tell from your face that you know that this was a reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You knew to yep. expect this. Yep. And still you gathered all these people here. Yep. Kudkadok, our favorite mm-hmm. suitor, um, who makes animal noises, he uh, speaks up and he's like, may I say something? And Kalante's like, I guess yeah, no cool. one cares what I think about <laughs> yeah, yeah. all of this. Yeah, go ahead and speak. Um, so Kudkadok um, explains all about the law of surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, what it is, um, about the legend surrounding it. Mm. Basically, it's that um, the law of surprise is a long-running tradition Mm. in society, Um, as long as recorded history, at least. Mm. It takes place when someone, like, they help someone, Mm -hmm. but they ask first 
for a promise. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, you will give me what um, you already have but do not know. Mm -hmm. Something like that. So Kudkadok explains that there are all these legends of children who are marked by destiny Mm -hmm. um, that end up being tied to someone else. Yeah. Yep. Um, In fact, there's another fairy tale reference um, where someone spurns the law of surprise yeah. and destiny. Yep. The gnome Rumpelstelt, yep. Rumpelstelt. who was promised the firstborn of, <laughs> yeah. I think, a princess or queen. Yeah, yeah. And she spurned him. Mm-hmm. And she was dead two days later. Yeah, she performed a spell, <laughs> drove him away, yeah. and uh, she and her child died. Yeah, later. yeah. It's clear here that the lore of this is that you can um, you can't run away from destiny. That's actually a very uh, clear point of the, the entire series. Yeah, it's setting yep. up the tone of what we're going to learn about later. Mm-hmm. He also says there's another part. Mm-hmm. This is still Kudkadok talking. Yeah, yeah, that. It's a hard bless thing. You. <laughs> He says uh, there's also another side to this, but the other side is that a kingdom could be blessed beyond our wildest imagination if Mm -hmm. we don't run away with destiny and in fact fulfill it. Still, people are still like in an uproar, but Clonthe is like, okay, at this point, fine, I'm just going to hold a council. Mm -hmm. And Urchin is like, you know that by assembling a council tomorrow that yeah, I'm going yep. to die before I even get out of this room. Everybody in this room is already really super pissed off at me. If we wait until tomorrow, somebody's going to kill me in my sleep tonight. Kind right. Of thing. Yep. Yeah, he's not getting out of this alive. Yeah. And he also, um, you know, at this point, he's threatened, I think, by uh, Rain Far Novatra, mm-hmm. um, who challenges him to a duel. But uh, Urchin's not really interested in all of that. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. has his eyes on Geralt, mm-hmm. who he has noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, look, Queen Calanthe actually brought this hired killer. Mm-hmm. And she, it's clear what her intentions are through this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, she doesn't have any intention of letting me live. Yeah, yep. And so Geralt is like, I guess I got to get involved now. And he steps up and he explains mm-hmm. that... There's a part of the Law of Surprise that Urchin is not um, remembering, or yeah. at least not yep. mentioning. Um, in order for the Law of Surprise to be fulfilled, mm-hmm. the child has to consent. Mm-hmm. So at this point, um, the clock strikes midnight, mm-hmm. and we hear a church bell. Yeah, yep. And uh, previously, Dooney had said, I can't take my helmet off because of my knight's honors. Mm-hmm. And so Calanthe says, well, now that's not binding you. Yeah, so let's yep. see your face. I want to see the face of the person who's going to yep. take away my daughter. Yep. Um, and so he takes off his helmet and he's a hideous like hedgehog. He's a hedgehog man. person, man. Yeah. Thing. Like yep. spikes coming out of everywhere. Mm-hmm. He has like button eyes. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, he is getting really upset at this point and he's like you planned this Mm -hmm. you knew what i look like Mm -hmm. because king rogner told you yeah yeah and so kalanthe sort of smugly Mm -hmm. is like so pavetta i want you to answer now do you want to go away with this thing Mm -hmm. or do you want to stay here in your nice home and never have to see this creature again yeah yeah and pavetta's like I want to go. Hedgehog. <laughs> hedgehog man. Hedgehog man. Hedgehog man. Doesn't even hesitate. <laughs> nope. And Calanthe is like stunned. <laughs> um, 
And so at this point, uh, Calanthe's like, kill him. Like mm-hmm. she, she wants Geralt to intervene. She wants just her anybody men to just kill him. Yep. And it turns into a big clusterfuck. Mm-hmm. Like everyone's going at him. The only people that are on Dooney's side are really Geralt, East Tour Search, Calanthe's mm-hmm. boyfriend, mm-hmm. and um, Mousesack. Of mm-hmm. course, we can't forget. Yeah. Um, so everyone against Dooney. Mm-hmm. Um, and have we have we learned his name yet oh yes <laughs> so when pavetta yells out mm-hmm. uh she screams dooney mm-hmm. and that's the first time Colante realizes or i think she might have realized before or knew about it yeah. um that pavetta had actually met him yes. and had been seeing him yes. way before Mm-hmm. this banquet yeah for at least a year yep and they had fallen in love mm-hmm. and so pavetta wanted to be with dooney yeah. because yep. she knew him yep and so it's just a mess an absolute mm-hmm. mess dooney is getting you know um especially by rain farnavatra who's mm-hmm. like just after him trying yeah. to yep. to get under his plate armor yep and eventually he's stabbed yeah he, he stabs him with a dagger i believe like Right under the armpit, like right where the, right where the armor is kind of thin. Mm-hmm. So right before this, Geralt was able to save Dooney's life mm-hmm. because he like got in the way of. So yeah, he deflected uh, the the dagger. So what's his face of nowhere land? Um, because he's not really actually important beyond this chapter, as far as I know, mm-hmm. um, goes to stab Dooney on like in the rib. Geralt does manage to deflect it because it would have been like a lethal blow, but he still kind of just like lowers it and glances it off enough that it, it still stabs him, but it's not, it doesn't kill him. Very pivotal is yeah, that yeah. Geralt essentially saves yeah, Dooney's Geralt life. Yeah, Geralt saves Dooney's life. When Dooney is stabbed regardless, Pavetta mm-hmm. unleashes this torrential... Yep energy magic hurricane yes. psychic blast she goes full carry yes everyone's just mm-hmm. on the ground like trying to like hold on for dear life mm-hmm. and Geralt and Mousesack suddenly re like they're actually together able to have a conversation for the first time in this banquet mm-hmm. and uh Mousesack is explaining it's pure primordial energy she mm-hmm. has no control over it yeah yeah and um, we've got to stop her in some way yeah and so they they go up to her. They're trying to pull her down, mm. and actually, Mousesack unleashes like magic that is described as being able to disintegrate a floor. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't do anything yeah, to her. Yeah. It doesn't even dent her. And then Pavette is like, "Now I'm angry. Now you've made me angry." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, so they have to like very quickly um, like block her. Yeah, yeah. And they're able to just in the nick of time. Mm-hmm. The only way that Pavetta is able to be stopped mm-hmm. is actually by Kudkudok. Yeah. Who makes a sound while holding the bagpipes that were played by someone else earlier yeah, in the, the evening. The, the, I forgot that the bard in the hall was described as having a set of bagpipes. Yeah, and so it's like just a horrifying sound, just like yeah. louder than life. And Pavetta is like so... Uh, Stunned and horrified by this weird animal noise in the back. Yes, and so Geralt and Mousesack are finally like, okay... Let's go. Yeah. Let, let, let's go tackle Magic her. Magic stun her. Um, and so they, they finally are able to like pull her down to the ground and mm-hmm. she just collapses. Yeah. Crying. Because after all, she is a 15-year-old girl. Yeah, and She yeah. doesn't have yep. any control yep. over this because she's never learned. So at this point, um, it's the aftermath. Mm. 
we are seeing everyone trying to recover from the shock. Yeah, yeah. Um, Kalanthe and East. East is actually kissing Kalanthe, and he's like, yeah. let him see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give them something to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Um, we see that Junie is um, still injured, mm-hmm. but yep. seemingly okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and at that point, um, we see him actually transform. Mm-hmm. He's becoming into a man again. Yeah. Like, yeah. and uh, and uh, we realize that this is the man that she's been seeing. Mm-hmm. She, I mean, she has been seeing, of course, the cursed creature. She recognizes yeah, yeah. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is the man that she mm-hmm. loves and has fallen in love with. So um, we end that scene and we go to the next. Mm-hmm. And uh, he explains a little more of the curse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the next scene is them debriefing mm-hmm. and finding yep. out how everything went down. Good thing they all wear boxers. <laughs> that was a really <laughs> That's bad That's a terrible joke. joke. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so Junie is explaining his backstory mm-hmm. a little more about why he wanted a child surprise to begin with. Yep, he's been yep. cursed since he could remember, mm-hmm. and the only way that he's learned along the way that might actually be a remedy is through the law of surprise mm-hmm. and the fulfillment of that destiny. Um, and then we also learn more about how how long they've been seeing each other. We mm-hmm. learn that Dooney. And Pavetta had been secretly seeing each other for a year. Yeah, yep. Um, so Calanthe um, finally says, look, I realize I can't run from destiny anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to like, I'm going to give you Pavetta and then yeah, we'll be quits. Yeah. I won't owe you anymore. Yep. And she says, you both can stay in Sintra mm-hmm. um, for as long as you want. Mm-hmm. Um but I'm also going to make a move of my own. Mm-hmm. I want to marry my boyfriend East. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I don't intend to step down anytime soon. So she 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 says that I have decided to accept the proposal of uh, yes. East. Um, and at this point, she reveals that like uh, one of the reason one of the the things she was hoping was that she was hoping to marry Pavetta off to the uh, I think it was Craig on Krat. Uh, for uh, the, you know, for an alliance with Skellige, and so she's like, "This is really cool because I'm happy because I got new boyfriend, you know, yeah, new yeah. boyfriend." Um, but also like alliance with Skellige, duh, like that's that's super cool and super powerful, and also like I guess you know, Pavetta, you get to go be happy with Hedgehog Man, go yeah, go go enjoy your weird like quilled children, <laughs> yeah. Uh- so, so everyone gets what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, Pavetta gets to marry the man that is right for her and mm-hmm. that she loves. And uh, Kalante gets to uh, still rule for a little bit mm-hmm. longer yep. and yep. gets her alliance with Skellige. Mm-hmm. So basically, all's well that ends well. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the way, Mousak, can you come stay here? Because I want an instructor for Pavetta. Yeah, yeah. So yep. we, we know at least how he ends up in Sintra. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, as um, they're wrapping up and Kalanthe is, you know, in this good mood, mm-hmm. Dawn is hitting the castle and mm-hmm. uh, the sunlight's starting to get in. And she doesn't even notice mm-hmm. that Dooney is not taking on a hedgehog form again. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Kalanthe's like, 
wait, what's going on? Like, mm-hmm. isn't it time for you to transform, essentially? Yeah, yep. And Geralt and Mausak start laughing, and they're like, we were waiting for you to notice. Mm-hmm. So it's revealed that as soon as Colanthe said, you can have Pavetta, mm-hmm. destiny had been fulfilled, and yep. the curse was broken. Yeah. So now it's great, because... It's not going to marry a hedgehog man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't know that anybody wants hedgehog man, but (laughs) apparently Pavetta's all about it. Yeah, it's a little weird. I think that might be a deal breaker for me. I don't know about you. No, it depends on how good his personality is. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) And how rich he is. Mm, Yeah, it doesn't hurt. (laughs) Um, So finally, after all of this, this beautiful fairy tale ending, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. we know nothing Bad will ever happen again. No, no, again. no. Especially and not And they'll never have problems again. <laughs> Everything's great. Mm-hmm. Nothing's ever going to happen in Sintra again. Mm-hmm. Nope. Um, so we, we feel really warm and fuzzy inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she turns to Geralt and she's like, you know, you really didn't do what I asked you to do. So I was considered just lobbing off your head. Yeah, yeah. But you did save Junie's life. You did fix everything. And everything turned out the way I wanted mm-hmm. it to Granted, not exactly in the way I wanted mm-hmm. it to. Yep. Um, so, what do you want? Like, what can I do mm-hmm. to repay this debt? As I said, you can name your price. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, just give me your green sash. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll remind me of your beautiful green eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Kalante laughs, and she actually hands him her emerald. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she's like, keep it and the memories. Yeah. And that should have been the end of it. Mm-hmm. But Dooney opens his mouth and he's like, no, no, I feel like that's not enough. You mm-hmm. saved my life. So I'm also in debt to you. Mm-hmm. And uh Kalante's like, hold on. <laughs> well, let's not get crazy over yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Dooney makes this really touching speech about mm-hmm. how, you know, you really helped me. Mm-hmm. Like if it weren't for you, I wouldn't be able to be here mm-hmm. married to Pavetta. Um, so... I want you mm-hmm. to, um, let me get the exact wording of mm-hmm. this right. So Juni is really insistent. He keeps mm-hmm. saying, mm-hmm. how can I pay you back? Yeah, yeah. And so Geralt says, Juni, Kalante, Pavetta, and you, Righteous Knight, Tweersearch, future king of Sintra, in order to become a witcher, you have to be born in the shadow of destiny. Mm-hmm. And very few are born like that. That's why there are so few of us. We're growing old, dying, without anyone to pass our knowledge, our gifts onto. Mm. We lack successors. Mm -hmm. And this world is full of evil, which waits for the day none of us are left. Mm -hmm. You will give me that which you already have, but do not know. Mm -hmm. I'll return to Sintra in six years to see if destiny has been kind to me. Mm -hmm. And then we learn... That Pavetta is pregnant. No. Actually, I think doesn't Pavetta start blushing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Pavetta starts blushing. She looks down and Colante asks. Um, and that's the end of the chapter. Mm-hmm. We learn that yep. Pavetta is pregnant and that uh, Geralt is going to presumably return in six years, mm-hmm. which we learned he does earlier not. that he does not. <laughs> no, no. And it will be the end of it. We will never hear anything more about that. Mm-hmm. It is not a pivotal part. Of no, the story it's not like the all. major part of the storyline. Um, in the in the TV series, doesn't doesn't Henry Cavill kind of just be like, I don't know, give me the law of surprise. He doesn't he doesn't even give like a big speech or anything. He's just kind of like, uh, whatever, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that that's a key choice. Um, in the TV series, um, 
he is sort of like after Dooney insisting mm-hmm. over and over, like, what do you want? What do you want? And he's like, I guess like, give me what you already have, but do not know. Yeah. And then Pavetta throws up in the background. Yes. <laughs> and actually like the end of it is pretty funny. It's like him saying, Oh shit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I think in the, in the book, it's more intentional mm. even though it is sort of badgered out of him yeah yeah um in the tv series it's more like an accident like it's more flipping an to, accident yeah. yeah which is kind of fun it's kind of a funny like uh, levity that's added to the to the weight of the scene so. yeah no i think it's actually pretty funny and fitting okay so for our analysis portion what are we pairing tonight we are pairing a uh, sierra nevada bigfoot barley wine style ale um, so for those of you not familiar with barley wine, <laughs> a little extra, little extra sound effects there. Um, those of you not familiar with barley wine, it is a very strong, uh, usually has a lot of malt in it, a lot of, a lot of grain, a lot of sugar, um, and a hop profile that is good for aging. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically like, uh, so Sierra Nevada once a year, usually around about this time of year, actually around about like August, uh, September or so, they release a, uh, a, a very limited release quantity of, of their Bigfoot barley wine uh, ale. And it's really fun to try and find like a, a good a pack of it. Um, and uh, so we have some here from 2019. Uh, so it's only a year old. You're supposed to generally like let it age for longer periods of time than that you know obviously you you let it go for like six years if you can kind of thing but um i've never been able to get one to last more (laughs) than like a year at most yeah um they're they're very fun uh i would highly recommend them if you if you can find them but we figured it was kind of fitting for tonight since uh it is a it has a long payoff um and you know it's it's something that you invest in you know a little bit at some point and then uh you know a couple of years down the line you open it up and see how it see how it tastes so and sometimes you just forget it in a cellar like Geralt. yeah yeah exactly <laughs> um funny story i actually had a neighbor uh who uh, he actually forgot he bought like four packs of this stuff uh and he he forgot about it for like 10 years mm. And uh, it was like some of the best barley wine he'd ever had, kind of thing, because it. He opened it up, and it was it was fantastic. I got to try a little bit of it, and it was kind of that was the one that kind of won me over on on barley wine. So yeah, it it can have a, a really rich, dense taste, perfect mm-hmm. for the Witcher universe. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I I heard a quote recently that has really kind of been resonating a lot with me lately, and it was that uh, the best time to plant a tree was twenty years ago. The second best time is today. Yes, I feel like okay, <laughs> and that that killed all all humor in. <laughs> yeah, basically. Okay, so on the theme of like long term payoffs, so here is our 2019 Bigfoot barley wine style ale, and uh, we're gonna open it up here. Get some nice sound effects. So now there's not a lot of carbonation in barley wines, um, so you're probably not hearing a whole lot of like fizz in this. Um, so it, it it tends to sit a little flat, kind of like a stout. Um, 
but not to say it's it's it is flat um and it's it's very rich much much like a stout but usually usually more of like a malty richness um i and i don't know that barley wine is a belgian style but it may be so we'll sn sniff it here Ooh. Reminds me of like Underdark from Intuition. Yeah, yep. Um, which is is a kind of done in a similar style. I believe Underdark is a strong ale. It is, yeah. Which is generally another one that's good for aging. Um, so it's very, very... Boozy. It's, it, it is pretty boozy. Uh, this is, I believe... 9.5% alcohol. Is it only only 9 yeah. Okay. So barley wine is usually closer to like thirteen or fourteen. Um, Still pretty strong. It's pretty strong. Uh, it's a little bit like booze forward on the smell. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of like plum, or I don't want to say plum. Uh, pear. Pear is the word I was looking for. A lot of pear. Mm -hmm. You get a lot of esters from the yeast, but not too much. Not not like a Belgian typical Belgian. Ooh. Mm. Mm. Hmm. Very strong. Yep. Um, it's got a very cereal-ish flavor. Yeah. And that, that's from the, the grain profile. That very they're, roasty. They're bringing in. Yep. There, there's some roasty grains in there. Um, probably some chocolate. Uh, chocolate grain. Yeah. A little bit of vanilla in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times, like, a, um, if the brewery themselves are the ones aging it, they'll usually age it in, like, bourbon barrels or something like that so mm. it'll pick up like vanilla bourbon oak flavors kind of thing yeah. which i think is actually what intuition does with underdark yeah I, I think that crake and crate would definitely get down with a mm -hmm. bunch of these oh yeah um it is a very meaty drink yes and by meaty i just mean like it's it's a it's it's heavy yes. um so this is not necessarily a session type of type of beer it's uh this is a sipping beer it's like a whiskey yeah yeah you, you're not gonna you're not gonna sit there and you know put this in a funnel yeah well with our drink mm -hmm. in hand should we get down to it i think we should get down into it um so one of the things that i wanted to bring up first um was that this series likes to play a lot with uh predestination versus like free will and so one of the things that i think that this this chapter in particular plays a lot with is the idea of predetermination and destiny they talk about destiny a lot um one of the things that they that the other people the other so it's a little bit more evident in the tv show but in the book it's definitely still there that um there's a transition here where everyone is very mad at Dooney at first or mm -hmm. urchin at the point where they know him everyone's very very mad at him mm -hmm. for disrupting this this wonderful debutante ball and claiming that i have you know a rightful claim to the hand of the princess here mm -hmm. um until they find out that he has a law of surprise arrangement and then pretty much everybody almost everybody sides with with him saying like no you can't go against destiny he has a right to this etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, let him let him do his thing. Well, some people view it that way. Mm -hmm. yeah. There are others that are just mad that they've been summoned. Yes, for no <laughs> yes, yep. 
I echo your point. I think Destiny is a huge... It's a character within the Witcher Yeah, universe. yeah, it really is. And we're introduced to it in The Last Wish. Mm-hmm. Um, Geralt is constantly saying, there's no fate, there's no destiny tied mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. But we know that's not He's true. He's entirely embroiled in every single plot of fate and destiny in existence in the universe. But in a lot of ways, that's because Geralt's constantly running from it. Yes, yep. He is, um, you know, in later stories and in later volumes, he's actually literally running away. From yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, several times because um, Geralt is a solitary figure. Mm-hmm. Witchers hunt alone. Yeah. And yeah. even though they themselves are usually child of surprise, mm-hmm. uh, I think that he views destiny as uncertain, like mm-hmm. all of us do. Yep. Um, And he doesn't want his life to be decided by a factor that's outside of his control. Mm -hmm. But it's very interesting, um, the role that Destiny plays in the Witcher universe, because it's viewed as something that you can't turn away from. Yes. um, Or you tempt fate. Yes, it's considered very dangerous to to do. And who knows if that's true. Mm -hmm. You know, later, really bad things happen to Sintra. Yeah, yeah. So can you say that Destiny really helped them? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, yep. It's like many things in this world. There are beliefs that we can't prove or disprove. Mm-hmm. Yep. But Destiny is certainly a character. And mm-hmm. I think that we're going to see it a lot as we read through The Witcher. Mm-hmm. Yep. Did you have any thoughts on Voice of Reason? Did you have any thoughts on his conversation with Iola? Uh, so the Voice of Reason was kind of interesting in this one because it, it it's basically pure exposition mm-hmm. um and there wasn't a whole lot in this voice of reason but it did just kind of set up like this next chapter which is very very dense and has probably like some of the most pivotal points in the whole series so i think it was just a good segue really yeah i thought it was good that we were introduced into some of the concepts mm-hmm. like care morin yeah yep. of course a great character that I haven't even met yet. Well, actually, we have. We will meet him only in the first book. Vesmir. Okay. Yeah. Yep. One of the things, actually, and I kind of just kind of thought about this that um, it also provides a little bit of context in terms of like what happened to these kids uh, that were taken of surprise mm-hmm. um, to in order to become witchers as well, because we do find out a little bit more of the background of like the trial of the grasses and what what happens yeah so you have here an interesting note that says Geralt talks about being a wandering D party murder hobos can you explain that oh um basically like he he gets a little edge lordy in here <laughs> um and he just kind of talks about like how like oh the life of a witcher is is a lonely and hard life where you know you wander around killing monsters and anything that, you know, anything that will give you enough coin, basically, I think was the line. And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. So he was, he's literally just talking about being like an all in one party, like his own support, his own like entertainment, his own, you know, his own comedic relief. Um, yeah. And just going around just killing things all the time, all day, every well, day. Well, I mean, he he kind of has to be very self-reliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um but it gets to the point where he sort of denies companionship and he denies help sometimes yeah. because yep. I think there is a fear. 
like when you've been alone for so mm. long, how can you accept someone else consistently in your life? It, yeah, it, it asks, it kind of poses a little bit of the question of is, is Geralt self-sabotaging or is he, you know, I mean, yeah, obviously this this life is hard and doesn't necessarily lend itself to partnership, but is he kind of self-sabotaging because he's afraid of that or is he just like, is that just the life that he lives? Yeah, that's a compelling question. Mm-hmm. He talks about Siri. Um, would have been born during the Feast of Bellatin, mm-hmm. which is also um, around the time Yennefer yes. yep. uh, would have been born. Yep. We, we learned Yennefer... Well, okay, let me back up. I made it sound like Yennefer and Ciri are the same age. They are yeah. not. Uh, they were born at the same time of the year. Yes. Yeah, they like share a <laughs> birthday. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not that they're yeah, the same age. Not, not the same not age. At all. Yeah, so I thought that was really interesting because two people that end up being super significant, one who's already super significant to him, but he would Mm -hmm. probably deny that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And someone who would end up being uh, probably the most significant Mm -hmm. figure in his life. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have a girlfriend, but I do know someone who would be very upset if they heard me telling that joke. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, so, So Bellatin, I kind of got the sense that he was sort of a like a god of feasts and mm-hmm. uh, merriment yep sort he's of dionysius yeah. yeah so moving into we already discussed a little of a question of price mm-hmm. um yeah what what else did we learn about Geralt that was super interesting or, or what else stood out to you so i don't know that we learned a whole lot about Geralt in this chapter mm-hmm. i mean other than like he talks about having a code of ethics um, I'm not a murderer, not a murderer, not a murderer, blah, blah, blah. Um, proceeds to murder a bunch of people, blah, blah, blah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we learn a lot about um, uh, Queen Calanthe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very much implied. When she talks about that, one of the things that I like that, that when she talks about how, saying how like everybody has a price, it's just a question of price. Um, she very much implies that not everyone is motivated by money and she knows that, Mm -hmm. that it may not even be necessarily that like, Hey, I can give you this big pile of gold, but I know that like gold only gets you so far in terms of like, in terms of like motivating people, money only motivates so much. Um, I mean, granted, you know, like there is, there is a growth factor there that like, if you offer someone just a whole bunch of money, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's like an exponential growth there that, like, if you offer somebody, you know, literally just like an actual like building full of money, they'll probably do almost anything. Um, but you know, there's there is a limit, like that that at some point, um, the money either isn't enough or it's not about the money. You know, what you're asking to do is either just not okay or they just don't want to or everybody has different motivations you know Mm -hmm. um and it it, it's sort of semi-implied that she was also kind of saying that like i would allow you to make a claim for my daughter um but it's not it's not very heavily like explicitly stated yeah i one other interesting part of this is that uh girl could have just taken a bunch of money or he could have mm-hmm. named his price but mm-hmm. he decided to do what he thought was right yeah yeah and that, and that's what's yeah. what Geralt always Geralt always does 
Um, and that's one of the reasons we love him as a character is that because he does always just do what he feels is correct and does not care about, really doesn't care about any external factors. Yeah, at the risk of, you know, being beheaded, being at mm-hmm. the wrong side of Calanthe, mm-hmm. you know, not to mention turning down rewards, yep. he decides to go by his own code of ethics, mm-hmm. which he references time and time again. Yep. Yep. He will do the right thing, even though he would say that he is motivated by coin. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, he's one of those people that like he doesn't like to doesn't like to talk about the fact that he has like a set of like personal rules and standards and laws, but he does very much so. Um, one of the other things that like we talked about how much we like Queen Calanthe. Um, she's very cool and also one of my favorite characters as well. Um, but we do see an implication um, that she already did know about all of this. And, like, none of this is a new revelation for her. Um, but she is very much just meddling in her daughter's life. Um, and she's just, like, trying to prevent her from marrying this guy that she doesn't like and doesn't approve of and thinks is kind of dumb. Um but we still don't fault her for that. Like, we, we as the reader, once again, Anse creates a character that has, like, should be deal breaker flaws. We still love him. Yeah, she's super flawed. Mm-hmm. She is a, a person that clearly knows what she's doing, mm-hmm. she clearly yep. has an agenda. Yeah. And she knows roughly how things will play out. And she doesn't just want to prevent her daughter from marrying this guy, even though, like, in the end, she realizes that was actually all she wanted. She actually she hired Geralt to straight up murder this guy. Yeah, it, it wasn't. It wasn't. She she wasn't mincing words. Like she wasn't even looking at alternatives. And that might have also been kind of the issue that Geralt took with it was that like Geralt is very much one of those characters who like um, he and and I. This is something that I've always personally liked about him as a character is that. He always looks at violence as like the absolute like last option. Mm-hmm. Um, he knows that there is a time, there's a time and place for violence, but most of the time there are other options before it gets to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, walk softly and carry a big stick. I'm full of quotes and plea- platitudes today, um, but yeah, that that like the, the the there's other aspects that can be explored before you decide to lop somebody's head off. Yeah. Definitely. He, um, I always thought that he really tries to listen to people. Mm-hmm. He really tries to hear, like, the subtext, mm-hmm. what they're not saying. Yep. Um, or he, talk with the trolls. Yeah, I was actually thinking about the trolls. <laughs> I, yep, I was going to bring up the trolls, too. So go, go ahead and talk about the trolls. Yeah, I mean, only that in the game, um, at least how I played, Geralt was always pretty much on the side of not killing mm-hmm. unless you know it was unless absolutely it needed necessary. to happen yeah um and the trolls like there was always an option to like attack the trolls and if you mm-hmm. didn't have to i i didn't yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i think that um i think Geralt really tries to minimize harm even yes. though we saw in the butcher of blaviken sometimes it's not an option yeah. Sometimes yep. you can avoid it. Yes. And sometimes not choosing is choosing. Yes. Yep. You're making a choice. Yep. Um, and so I think that he always tries to do what is right mm-hmm. um, in his eyes. Yes. According yep. to his code. Yeah. Um, 
But back to the point of Queen Calamthe, uh, she also talks about, um, you know, being a warrior queen mm-hmm. and how there was a battle that she was talking about. In fact, one that the bard was doing a really awful bagpipe rendition yes. of the song. <laughs> I forgot about that, that the bard was singing about the battle that she was in. And she's like, you know, I have to admit, I really like them singing songs about me. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I have to say my causes weren't so noble. Yeah. They were fighting about money. <laughs> she did. I forgot that, that she did openly admit to the fact that like, um, this region was paying her, her kingdom taxes yeah. um, or tributes and uh, like an invading force was coming in and, and burning them to the ground and like she was like yeah our motivation was they were a revenue source for us yeah. like the, the people happened to see us as like defenders of their, their life and living and liberty but we just wanted to keep our tax taxable assets safe Kalante is a shrewd player in the game mm-hmm. She knows, she thinks through things Mm -hmm. really well. Yeah. And that's why she wanted Pavetta to marry someone from Skellige. Yeah. Um, But she was still able to come up with a a good solution for herself in the end. Yeah, yeah. At the very end of the day, I think she knows what she's doing. Mm -hmm. And that's why she's so uh, good, because even though this is a, a queen that is not supposed to rule mm-hmm. um, even though there is supposed to be a king she yeah. finds a way to hold on to she kind of just held on to it for probably way longer than they've ever let any women do that up to that point kind of thing yeah one thing i did want to discuss that sort of confuses me is why do you think Geralt called the law of surprise even though as a witcher he probably has um, a reason to dislike it or even resent it. Actually, so I was I was kind of thinking about that in this because it does play out very differently from the TV show. TV show, I really like the way they play it. It's just kind of like a, it's a flippant joke that just kind of like turns into a big destiny kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one of the, like the Witcher series we talk about doesn't really take itself too seriously. And that's one of the reasons we enjoy it so much. Um, but this scene in particular, I think... I kind of feel that the reason that Geralt wanted to wanted to invoke it was first off that he didn't really know necessarily he didn't really have want for anything else. So he was just kind of like, yeah, you know, kind of whatever. Um, but I think I, I kind of think in the back of his mind, he kind of realized that, like, because witchers are a dying breed, this may be a way to bring in, you know, some more witchers into the world. And I think that was actually kind of his wish in this and as a result, we find out more about Siri and how she ends up kind of actually like actively choosing this life um, mm-hmm. to some extent later on. Um, and, you know, I think that that's one of the things that Geralt is the most proud of about her is that like she chooses while she I can't remember if she go, undergoes the trial. I don't think she does. No. Maybe some spoilers here, but um, she just it falls in love with the life and just wants to train, wants to learn, wants to develop all of the abilities of witchers and become a part of them and carry on their culture. Mm. And one of the side effects we learn later on of the witcher mutations is sterility, um, which is why they need to claim kids from, you know, the law of surprise. So Geralt, I think kind of deep down, deep down wants to kind of be a father maybe at some point. Um, and I think that was kind of one of the reasons was like, okay, you know, maybe, maybe I get a chance to even just be a mentor to somebody. Yeah. I think it's just all about choice, right? Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, if 
you don't have a choice mm-hmm. to do something, it does sort of make you think, so I can't ever do this. Yeah. One yep. possibility has been completely wiped yes. from the board Yes. for me. Um, I think that's a way that Yennefer feels too. Yep. Which we'll get into in another story. Yeah. I think it's not necessarily that they absolutely want to be parents, mm-hmm. but it's like when that option is taken away from you, you yeah. sort of wonder, right? The, um, actually, so the, the How I Met Your Mother is a terrible show, generally. Um, but there is one really good episode where uh, one of the main characters, uh, she finds out that she can't have kids. Mm-hmm. Even though she's the whole, the whole series, she's been very much not, you know, didn't really want to have kids. Um, and like, there's, there's a really great line in it where she's sort of talking around cause she doesn't want to tell her, her slightly less close friends about it. Um, so she's saying like, oh yeah, uh, you know, I, I found out that I can't be a pole vaulter anymore. And like, she's like, I don't know that I actually wanted to be a pole vaulter, but I kind of, it's not a decision that I got to choose. Mm-hmm. It's not a decision that I got to have any agency in. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe I would have liked to have pursued it at some point, but I can't now. Um, yeah. And it, it's a, that, probably that episode is actually pretty good. And, and I would recommend, you know, maybe just watching that one. But the rest of the series is lazy writing and dumb. But um, I think agency is a really clear theme in this as well. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about the law of surprise, yes, someone can call it, but the other side mm-hmm. has to approve it. And and so and you bringing that up made me realize another thing too is that Geralt says that he's going to come back in six years yeah. uh, to check on this. I think maybe one of the reasons he waited longer was to to actually make sure that the the child that he's claiming is old enough to understand the magnitude of the of the choice that they're making to leave with Geralt. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, and also just that um, I think that even though he doesn't know exactly what this is going to entail for him, it is a huge thing. It's a huge mm-hmm. development. Yeah. At the, you know, the best case scenario, it's a child that mm-hmm. relies on yep. you. Yes. Um, the worst case, it could come with danger. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And maybe it's a hedgehog baby that like eats human livers. But <laughs> uh, that would be a fun turn. It would. It would. I mean, nobody saw that one coming. M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> <laughs> what a twist. What a twist. That would be super helpful for a witcher. It would. You know, it would you can just. be a hedgehog thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, one of. The cool things about Destiny in the Witcher universe is is the uh, Jeff Goldblum effect. The uh, life uh, finds Finds a way way. effect. (laughs) Destiny, even though we're not quite clear how it works, if it's just coincidence, Mm. if it actually is a force in Mm -hmm. this world, um, it always works around the choices of the people involved. Yes, (laughs) yes. It's like final destination mm-hmm. in that way yep. like no matter what happens no matter how you circumvent it it's going to find you yeah yeah it'll it, probably kill you actually yeah based on the, based <laughs> on the way they've always talked about destiny playing out in this in this universe 
it does seem like it pretty much just always just kills you no matter what. Yeah, I, I think that um, how Destiny plays out and how Geralt and Ciri eventually find each other is a really good story. And this mm-hmm. sets it up perfectly. Yeah, um, yep. It sets up the Law of Surprise, which mm-hmm. ends up being a very pivotal thing. I really enjoy knowing so much about Ciri now. Um, I always mm-hmm. like learning more about her family. Yeah. Um, we don't get to learn much about Pavetta. We know mm-hmm. that she has this incredible power. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one other thing that they mention is that she inherited it skipped a generation. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe it skipped it, it skipped generations mm-hmm. and it came to her. Yeah. One of her relatives was able to do this. Kalanthe mm-hmm. didn't have that power. Yeah. Yep. But she did. Um I like seeing that Siri got so much from mm-hmm. her grandmother. Yeah. Um, because she was the one who raised her. Yeah. yeah. Um after Pavetta dies later Mm -hmm. um which we'll get to but i do really like learning more about her family because a lot of siri is rooted in kalante's badass yes yep absolutely her magical powers are rooted in pavetta so it is really cool to see her family and where Mm -hmm. she gets it from because she will be such a huge part of the narrative going forward if i have seen further it is by standing on the shoulders of giants okay (laughs) Isaac Newton. All right, I'm done. <laughs> Let me just make an inspirational quote calendar. We'll call it a night. We'll set up a merch shop so that we can sell oh it. <laughs> what are your closing thoughts? Uh, what What are your takeaways from this? My takeaways from this are that cash rules everything around me. Cream, Cream. get the money. Dollar, 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 dollar bills, bill, yo. <laughs> Okay, um, um, what are your real takeaways? But real takeaways are, um, this is this is a good, this is finally the, the real start of the overarching plot. This is our first non-monster of the week, you know, storyline. It's very good, like I said, and, and I, I, like your, I like your comparison of Final Destination because it, it, it kind of actually does really heavily play that way. Mm-hmm. That like you can't, you can't escape whatever your, your fate is. Um, and it kind of it does actually establish fate, fate and destiny as a character mm-hmm. um, that we we will see returns to many many times over mm-hmm. um, in this series. And you know it, it it's it's really interesting because especially especially with the the way the series plays around with chronology too is that we've already seen a little bit a few like hints like here and there of like the shakeout of like what the end result of this was. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to kind of learn later on where all of that fits. And and we kind of, I think this is kind of like, I hate jigsaw puzzles. Um, like I, I shouldn't say hate, that's too strong of a word. I don't understand jigsaw puzzles. I don't really get the draw and attraction to them. But when you do them, that first corner that you get built is really nice because you can finally start to see Oh, you get a, a glimpse of the foreshadowing of the whole picture of what you're making, mm-hmm. um, and this is kind of the first time you see the the final completion of the that first corner. Yeah, it does really foreshadow a lot to come. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't escape your destiny, mm-hmm. and if there's any uh, takeaway from this chapter, mm-hmm. this is it. Yeah. Yep. At the end of the day, it's still there, mm-hmm. it's still waiting for yep. you. Yep. Um, but choice still factors into it. Yeah, yep. So 
what will you do with your destiny? Yeah. That's the question we'll have to ask next. Which which is kind of interesting too from a video game standpoint because that plays like a video game. <laughs> and we've talked about that before that this series like basically look feels like a book that was written to written from a video game. <laughs> but it's a book, but it's a video game series that was made on a series of books. Um, because you kind of like, you make these choices, you feel like you have full agency in them, but Mm -hmm. the overarching plot still happens. (laughs) Yeah. Somehow. I don't know how they made that work from a video game standpoint, but. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to get further into this. Mm -hmm. Very much. Um, our next short story is, uh, Edge of the World, Mm -hmm. which is a good palate cleanser. Yep. I would say. Yep. It is um, not heavy. Mm-hmm. It is not. Um, it's not going to be anything that really comes back a time and time again. Yep. yep. But we are introduced to Dandelion. Oh god. The Geralt. <laughs> Dandelion is a buddy of Geralt's. Oh, he Geralt. Is an enabler of bad decisions. He's your college friend, and I will say that at least in the books. I'm always glad when he's around because there is going to be comic relief. Yeah, yes. Uh, yeah, there are shenanigans and they are cheeky shenanigans. This one's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it is a little heavy at, at a point and it does introduce like a future conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, but we will get into that next week. Well, I feel like, I feel like this whole chapter was just very heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it kind of needed to be. So it, it'll be nice to kind of transition to that. And also, one of the nice things is that we don't need to worry about there being logging trucks at any point um, in any of the rest of The Witcher, you know, despite the final destination allegories. Um, Or tanning beds. I don't know why such a terrible movie stayed with the collective consciousness of (laughs) 30-somethings. Just that one scene. Well, late, mid 20 early 20s <laughs> somethings to early 30 somethings it's a compelling concept and i still will enter a tanning bed yes <laughs> yes one of those and i still will not drive behind logging trucks no funny fact actually in florida when i was like little i was driving with my mom and grandma in a rubber um like it was like a, a large, like log-shaped rubber thing mm-hmm. flew out of the truck in front of us oh, and actually yep, there hit it the is. windshield. Um, there it so is. <laughs> for some reason, I'm still not super afraid of it. But okay, I didn't well, that, die that's from good it. for you. Yeah, but did you die? <laughs> so at the end of the day, um, that's that, and we have talked for a long time. Mm-hmm. So next week we'll be back again. We'll talk about the next voice of reason, which is a good one, um, and we'll also talk about the edge of the world. Yeah. Um, so until then, um, pour yourself some milk and get yourself some cookies, snort some valerian root, uh, because I guess that's what you do. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, what have you been doing in your spare time? I guess if you want to play it safe. I'm Alexa. I'm John Mark. Good night. Good night. <laughs>